Hello there, and welcome to Ren and Simpy today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was John's idea for that title. I, I, I did I. Yeah, Brent and Snippy. I didn't mean to say Simpy. That's a whole other. That's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might have something there as well. But anyway, the, the, yeah, a lot of Star Wars fans would probably. But that, that's a whole other. <laughs> but with me today from Special Mark Productions is Mark Crosscheck from theestablishingshot.org is Jeff York from Cinema Obscura is John Davies and from okay. Movies with Tark is Tark Fayumi. Guys, I've been waiting with bated breath to talk about this episode of Ahsoka because I remember my sentiment before the episode was about to start was they better have Thrawn. If they don't have Thrawn, I'm going to be upset because I'm worried I'm going to have to wait until episode five for that to come in. But luckily, we did end up uh, we didn't get Thrawn, but we got something very different and I mean, I don't know if we can even get into the episode without spoiling it yet, but we can we can hold off on them uh, until then. Uh, w- would anyone like to give it a like a sort of quick breakdown of what the episode was? Rebel season five. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this is the most cartoony of all the episodes of all the so far of all the Ahsoka episodes of all the live action Star Wars it's just I don't know it's this is Rebels this is the last season of the Clone Wars this is some fantastic Star Wars I'm really happy yeah I I will say that from watching this episode like like even in the beginning I could I loved how like the scenery it seemed like a bunch of like fluorescent lights it's like they're heightening the galaxy even more technologically so that means like like the it's like the darker paths that they go to kind of thing there's it means that the more dark alleys are coming the way especially in the forest and whatnot like anything that comes out of the forest after the crash landing to me was like a revelation. I'm like, yes, this is the stuff I love about Star Wars. A time to when one has when one proves themselves via the power of a lightsaber, and if they truly have it in them to use the Force. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting. I mean, I I do like the fact that this episode does get into it. Kind of takes chances and it gets more into the elements that the cartoons have, where you're getting into a witchcraft. You're getting into, and here I'm. I'm just gonna say it right now, spoilers. You've been warned. <laughs> yep, you've uh, been warned. <laughs> it gets into the world between worlds, and mm-hmm. if people don't know what that stuff is, I feel a little bit like uh, that that <laughs> meme of Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> where you have the regular fans who've seen, yeah, you have the regular fans who've seen, you know, like the Star Wars movies, and then you get the fans who've read the books. And also have seen all the cartoon shows. And we're like Charlie pointing at the board with all the things crossing in between each other. <laughs> saying, you don't understand. This is going to have that. It's about to get nuts. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing something with Star Wars that's unpredictable. And that's what's really got me excited about it. They're trying not to be. I like how they're trying to not be predictable. They're trying to mm-hmm. give us what we expect in a very unpredictable way. And that's where. And, I, and, that's, and that's where even it gets more invigorating for its fans in each episode (laughs) so jeff what was your thoughts on the episode well you know i um 
am a little bit caught in between some of you guys in the sense that I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm an old school Star Wars fan because I was mm -hmm. a kid when that came out. The first stuff, boy, can you imagine? I know I've got the age on you guys a little bit on that, but um, I'm not quite the aficionado that it sounds like, John, and some of you guys maybe. But I have to tell you, I find that these series, and, and sometimes people criticize them for it, but I find these series work very well for experts like you who can say, well, this is sort of a reference to that, or this was from this uh, book or this uh, episode of one of the animated series. But for me, in not really being chapter and verse on all that, I find this very easy to follow. I know who the characters are. I, I get the dynamics that they're setting up, and I appreciate that. I don't feel like I'm being spoon-fed it occasionally on some of the dialogue, you know, like, Sabine, can I count on you? You know you can. I mean, really, I mean, is that is that for the sixth grader out there who's like she can count on him? She's just told him. Uh, uh, but uh, but I feel that it's fairly easy to track, even if you were a novice just coming into it. What I really like about this, and I've kind of noticed that a little bit. Mandalorian, you guys can tell me if you think I'm off on this, but I've always thought of Star Wars as a little bit of a Western anyway. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of got these Western tropes and, you know, the big bad guy and, you know, the kind of uh, Gary Cooper or, you know, whomever trying to get people to <laughs> band with them when it's high noon against the evil forces in town and such. Um, and the more I watch The Mandalorian, uh, I'll, uh, maybe, maybe not as much this season with, I think, the Mandalorian becoming more of a parent, but the, with, with starting with this show, it seems like it's a Western, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Ahsoka to me reminds me of the, the man with no name or Shane, sort of this sort of quiet, sort of stoic person who walks into town. And one of the things I said in the first two episodes that I reviewed is it's interesting as, as good as she is fighting. I think she's more interesting when she's not doing all this, when she's just kind of sitting there waiting and the battle scene that they had her, uh, this time with um, with her sort of stopping and starting, there were these great quiet moments in there that not only remind me of sort of those Westerns when you're waiting, you know, you're waiting for them to draw and it's all the kind of, you know, staring at each other stuff that Leo, Sergio Leone did so well. But um, it also really took me back to the, the Darth and Obi-Wan stuff from the very mm -hmm. first movie where there's mm -hmm. just this kind of waiting, like they're kind of circling around each other. They know they're both good and it's not going to do a lot of great, uh, you know, uh, for either of them to, to just flail at each other. It, it takes on almost a Kabuki kind of mm -hmm. Kurosawa quality to it that I think is quite lovely. And he kind of made Japanese Westerns all of his career. So I found it very riveting. Uh, a little bit of it seems a little silly, like the Rock'em Sock'em robots uh, fight kind of in there was a little bit. Uh, I think that's for comic relief, of course. And I still mm -hmm. can't believe it. Can, the only people who can do the British, the uh, the robot voices seem to be British, whether it's <laughs> David Tennant, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, or the original Anthony Daniels. I, it's some comment on the cast system, like, you know, it'd be funny if we get all the posh Brits to sound like they're the the, the basic servants. Uh, um, but but I really like it. I, I think it's interesting, and I love the fact that it's all the more interesting when it slows down and sort of just has them watching each other, you know, and, and sort of... Uh, seeing where this is going to go and uh you know the characters i think uh you know are very interesting when they're just sort of studying each other and you're not quite sure what what's going to happen with them well uh, with the droids being british uh let's not forget all the imperials were british as well that's so, so true yeah. so it's you know colonial that's where the voice where's where the voices come from the brits you know the imperials built the voice boxes so they sound british as revenge well. of America and Gandhi. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I mean the 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 thing is is like this one kind of you can follow it easily, but you don't need to know everything. And yeah, it's it's this very much is like a western, and it's a lot like a Kurosawa film. You know, you have mm -hmm. everyone walking out in this large forest, and you know they're waiting, you know, before they're gonna do their next attack. And this is sort of like the next best thing to sort of paying homage to that, but also being its own thing because this is Star Wars that is very akin to the cartoon shows. And with the cartoon mm -hmm. shows, the cartoon shows had like all these crazy things like witchcraft yeah. and time travel yeah. and these sort of things. And is that going to work for the overall show? I, I think so because it's taking chances that it hasn't before it hasn't, you know, gone and decided, you know, it usually has played everything pretty safe. You know, star Wars has cinematically, you know, they, I mean, you could say it did at the time it didn't play safe was the last Jedi. And I have my issues with that film, but you know, we won't get into that. But, you know, this is nice to see Dave Filoni, who's been the guy in charge of the cartoon shows for so long, get taken, uh, put centerfold into the creator position where now he's directing an episode, not directing an episode. He did direct the first two episodes, I believe, of Ahsoka, but he's he's spearheading the writing in it. And they're they're allowing all their faith in him. And he's a guy who really knows the Star Wars, like even more so than I'd say like John Favreau, where he knows the Star Wars well. But as you saw after the Mandalorian season two with the Mandalorian season three, once you kind of get over the fact that they have this adorable little child that someone has to take care of, there's not much lasting appeal to the material. And here here's someone who's really diving deep in the material and digging that stuff up where you're going to get something really exciting. Well, I, I, I binged, I binged rebels before watching the first Ahsoka. Cause I, mm. I watched all the clone wars and I liked the last two seasons of clone wars when first Netflix had it. And then the final season of clone wars, I thought was some of the best clone wars in the story in general, you know, you had Ahsoka in there as well. And it was Ahsoka and they built up a lot of interesting things in those last two seasons. Uh, so everybody was saying, well, Rebels, you got to watch Rebels. And so I watched Rebels and I, I, it's, it blew me away how consistent mm -hmm. over four seasons that's, that cartoon stayed mm -hmm. reminded mm -hmm. me of the Star Wars version of Batman, the animated series to where mm -hmm. even, mm -hmm. even a, a weaker episode was still good and mm -hmm. it moved the main plot along. And this episode was probably the most Rebels of the episodes we've had so far not just because it includes the the in between worlds but just in general the way the characters were the way it was directed the way the story played out you've got your samurai angle i loved you know ahsoka and we're, well, we won't dig into what what were the inquisitors doing the during the the actual war who knows what they were doing this guy's still left over you know we don't we don't <laughs> ask that too much but her battle was more like samurais from like uh uh like from the seven samurai where she mm -hmm. you know they did the poses rather than mm -hmm. actual a flurry mm -hmm. and also the way it was directed was more like the original trilogy i'm with jeff york the uh the fights even between ahsoka and balin were a bit more old school fight than your very lavish revenge of the sith fight that you had between obi-wan mm -hmm. and anakin you know I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that. And I find even like the shorter of like those duels kind of is building a better sense of understanding to an extent of of like the good and the bad, figuring out where they stand. And also the one quote, 
that kind of comes to my mind so much from this episode is once a rebel, always a rebel. So now I'm just wondering who's going to change sides, who's going to be a traitor. Mm -hmm. There's always, honestly, as I said before in a previous episode, it keeps going to the round where it's like, where it's like, can everyone truly be trusted is what you ask yourself, you know, <laughs> or is there, or are we going to get blindsided somehow with some kind of new adventure? You know, I don't know if like, I think, I don't know if like anyone's going to betray anyone. If that's where it's going. I think, uh, I mean, Harrison Dula has been around since all of rebels and has always been someone who's good. There was one theory. I will say that turned out to be totally wrong from all the fans. And everyone thought that guy who was in the main inquisitor mask you know, who didn't say anything was actually Ezra Bridger. That quickly no. got shot down. <laughs> and it turns out he wasn't, he wasn't even that. He was, he was just, I think like some sort of creation of the Night Sisters. Where like a magic or something. That was weird when he died. Yeah. <clears throat> like he, he died with a fart cloud coming out. Of his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, I'm really glad that you mentioned the not having watched Rebels, not having been as deep into Star Wars, and you're still able to follow the story. That's awesome. Like, seriously, that's what we hoped for going into this series because Rebels season five, like, can lose people. Like, we don't, you don't know what's going on. If you're expecting Rebel Season 5, you know, from the hype that everybody had going into this series, Ahsoka coming forward, like bringing the cartoon to life, literally right. with Hera and Chopper and all this, like somebody not knowing what that is, still being able to enjoy this series, like this, that tells me that this might be some of the best Star Wars that we've ever had. You well, know, that's great. hardcore nerd fans and people like you that like the series but aren't so insane about it like we are <laughs> <laughs> but i love that it appeals to both because i think you know they do some of the very um you know, basics of hitting and tackling, like uh, explaining who Balin is. And, you know, in, in, in the very first episode, they did a couple of uh, short episodes, uh, short lines and short sort of introductory points with him that I liked. And I even think, you know, he's, you know, interesting in the way he's sort of dealing with his, if you will, um, apprentice, um, uh, you, you know, the way that she is kind of, uh, uh, is it uh, Ivana? Is that her name? Uh, who's yeah. kind oh, of his uh, young charge? Uh, uh, Sarah Hattie or something like that. Yeah, right. Uh, but I mean, uh, the, is, is the actress named? I think it's Ivana. Oh, Ivanka Sango. There you go. Yeah. Ivanka Sango. Yeah. Batgirl from Batgirl yeah. played out. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, she's very good in this. And I think I love the parallels kind of between, uh, you know, what, what she's got going on and then what uh, Ahsoka's got going on, sort of with her charge. And the fact that then Ahsoka was also once in that position, but, you know, now she's probably, you know, whatever Rosario Dawson's 40s is, you know, uh, I think those parallels become very interesting, too, as uh, clear sort of story themes or, or, or lines of, of thought in the in the in the storytelling that you can pick up on even just from watching it, even if you've never seen a Star Wars movie, like, oh, I get it. There's a little parallel here. This person was sort of on the inside and now he's bad. This person was on the inside. She kind of left. They both have these young charges. They're both trying to sort of figure out how to, uh, you know, manage this map and and manage whatever bad things could be coming down the pike. Maybe one good for one awful, but uh, that's very clear, I think, too, even to the the utter novice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's that's kind of. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, Balin. Under, it is unfortunate that we had the passing of the actor because Balin 
yeah. is I think one of the first characters we actually have gotten who's not actually Sith. He's Dark Jedi. He's he's, he's mm-hmm. not a Sith, and they have a, actually established that pretty well in here. His apprentice is leaning more towards Sith, but Balin here reminds me a bit more of like uh, uh of uh rede- not redeemed but uh, uh eyes awake so to speak of Darth Maul from Rebels of mm, sorts interesting where after he got disillusioned finally with the force and like the Sith they're just that's a bunch of BS they abandoned me you know so he was kind of this area where he didn't wasn't really Sith but he was out for himself and uh Baylor Very reminds me Qui Gon. Very, what, very similar. Qui Gon would have, uh, you know, evolved into had he not been right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. Balin is exactly is probably what Qui Gon would have became because mm-hmm. he too saw the flaws in in the Force uh, with the Jedi uh, Council and that and how they went about things, and and that's what I like is the Rebels and especially Ahsoka is what I was hoping they would finally do. Once yep. Disney got Star Wars, was mm. that okay? Let's break away from the Skywalker saga. But what's what mm. do they do? They do Rogue One, yes. and, and what does Rogue One end up being? It's almost like an appendix to the original trilogy. To which, hey, look, here's original trilogy references. Here's some more original. Here we're back. Yeah. Whereas Rebels, yeah, you have the connection with Ahsoka and Anakin. But the stories and everything is exploring a facet of Star Wars that I always wanted to see when they were going to talk about a Star Wars story, movie, series, before they canceled that idea. You know, break away from the Skywalker saga. There's this huge galaxy. And the Mark, Skywalker is a sliver of the universe within and you're, and, and you're reminding me now, Mark, kind of thing, like about like even how there was films like, you know, like Solo. A star like a Star Wars story. Like I even remember working that when I was still working in theaters. And surprisingly, that film, you'd think the title of anything Star Wars has like a huge crowd or whatnot. But that one was was probably the most mediocre Star Wars film I've ever worked in all my years of movie theaters. Because many years of movie theaters I worked, we had the Star Wars films like mm-hmm. Force Awakens, Rogue One, then later on with with like last jedi whatnot i was still in theaters at the time but i just remember solo doing the most mediocre out of all of them yeah kind of. i mean that's because we we are gearing towards another skywalker thing with anakin skywalker but this time i don't mind it because as star wars fans we've always mm-hmm. wanted to see ahsoka with anakin in live action yes and also there's some closure that's happening between both of those characters that mm-hmm. maybe ahsoka has never gotten ever mm-hmm. since anakin turned to the dark side and became darth vader and, oh sorry spoilers and, I guess. and and that and that well well people know and that and now mike now you say because of this episode this makes me have more encouragement to watch revenge of the sith next week over attack of the clones because i want to i'm like i want to revisit the dark side of anakin judgment before we get further now uh, can i ask you uh four other really strong experts and uh john i'm very impressed by (laughs) some of the words i i almost am like shoot i really need to write 
some Wikipedia <laughs> entries down just to yeah, get these names right. It's like shit. I'm I'm calling uh, Shin the actress when I should really. I'm, but maybe I'm too focused mm-hmm. on actors. But one of the things that I find intriguing about this, and I I could be wrong on this, but you tell me. But um, and you just were talking about it with with some of the things like Darth Maul and even to some degree what I think Anakin turned into, especially with you know Darth Vader at his most evil. Um, you you didn't like them and you kind of felt sorry for the stormtroopers and you know uh you know Domhnall Gleeson getting <laughs> sort of done away with or whatever else there didn't seem to be much room for understanding that either you were completely on board with these awful evil people or you kind of were a good guy on the other side one of the things i like about this so far that i think is very intriguing um is i find that Balin and Shin do not strike me as black and white characters. They strike me as very gray characters. Like even when uh, Balin was sort of saying, trying to sort of, uh, uh, you know, bring sort of Sabine to the other side and, you know, and kind of saying, you, you might like it almost, you know, I, I felt that was a pretty good pitch, you know, well, like he was, actually, uh, he was actually, he was actually, you know, pretty smart and charming. And maybe they've got a good dental plan too, that it wasn't uh, <laughs> quite as dark as we all thought, you know, it is like you're all under this kind of crushing tyranny of the emperor and, and Darth Vader. And, they, you know, they even make fun of that on the Star Wars sketches they do on Saturday Night Live with Kylo Ren, undercover boss and stuff. But like, <laughs> and, and you mentioned about like, does anybody turn? I mean, I think Shin is kind of vulnerable. I almost could see her mm-hmm. maybe becoming potentially good or coming on the other side because I think she is there for, I think noble reasons that she wants to be kind of learning and, and, and making a difference. And, and maybe that's from Balin and maybe that isn't, but I don't know. I, I ask you guys, because it seems to me very, you know, just a couple four episodes in to be very great where I think a lot of early star Wars, or at least my recollection of star Wars has always been a little bit more black and white. They seem pretty evil because they want to bring in, you know, grand Admiral Thrawn, who's going to basically bring in a new heir to the empire which is going to, you know, right. send the universe into total destruction. And, but but okay. they could be doing that for reasons that they believe is good, yet they are evil. That is, it is funny how, yeah, they never, mm-hmm. uh, they never sort of implicitly say whether they're Sith or right. they're... Uh, they have orange lightsabers. They aren't. <laughs> yeah. They aren't they, Sith. Right. No. Well, and they they murdered a bunch of uh, you know New Republic people. So yeah, we got Hayden in the group now. Hey Hayden, what's happening? Hello, yes, Hayden. Say, not Hayden Christensen, but Hayden Mears. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden, did you change your name just so you could be really on top of this? <laughs> he's coming out. He's yes, coming from us from the world between worlds right now. This is, I, this is Hayden. From if you'd come in line. in the last five minutes, I would have been really suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> the the. Uh, so, Jeff, you were saying that Shin is kind of like teetering on the... Well, I guess ultimately what I'm saying is that maybe I was being too mealy-mouthed about it, but I find there's a gray area with both Shin and Balin. Like, I don't find them hissably evil when they come out. Like, I might buy into where they're coming from on a certain level. I mean, uh, grant you, they're not good, but they're not so no. hissably they're bad that you go, oh, why would anybody want to ever follow somebody who's such a tyrant? No. I don't feel that from them. My thoughts on Balin, I think Balin has has more shades of gray to him than I think that we're used to. I think what I really like about him is, yeah, he's not a great guy, but he's got a he's got a moral code. He follows Mm -hmm. a set of ethics, which makes him very interesting because it's like, yeah, I mean, he'll kill people, but he 
he's he's a man of his word. He, I mean, he's shown time and again that he values mm-hmm. his word. He values you know he values um, sticking to your word and sticking to, to truth. Um, so it it kind of makes him. He has a moral code that he is very much sticking to, and I think that that's really compelling because um, it doesn't put him in the red or the, you know, on the Sith side or the Jedi side. Right. It kind of puts him in the middle, which I think yeah. is what Filoni is doing on purpose. I don't mm-hmm. I think looking like what this show has been about, honestly. Ahsoka it, told you in the first episode that she's a gray Jedi. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It, she doesn't necessarily follow the code. She used the Jedi like mind weaver trick on what's her name to get stuff yeah. out of her head, just like Maul does. <laughs> right. He's he's not really like exactly a good person, and she knows it. And yet she's <laughs> taking a Mandalorian under her, her wing and it's gonna go bad. I mean it went bad immediately, obviously. <laughs> what, what I did like about this episode. Oh was, man, the direction they're going with this series is fantastic. I'm, I'm just this, no. yeah. They honestly, if this episode was not what it was, I would I would be having questions about the the show right mm-hmm. now because it's like it would be halfway over and nothing would. But a lot of shit happened, and it was all really good shit. It was compelling shit. I think that Sabine and Ahsoka are probably going to clash over Sabine, what Sabine did, which is going to yep. be some, some pretty compelling uh, character stuff. Um, I don't know how Ahsoka is going to figure out that, that Sabine did it, but that there's going to be some tension down the road. There's, I feel, you know, even from from getting a little more of the characterization with Balin on this episode, like like there's that moment in this episode where there's like where there's a conversation basically, and um the whole thing with between like like Ahsoka and Balin, like and then Sabine as well. Like, like it's almost like there's a scenario and even Balin says like, you know, like, like something it's along the lines of where it's like, like he can't really turn away from, from who his superior is. Cause otherwise mm-hmm. there's like right. no victory. So then in my head, I'm just thinking, okay, so unfortunately, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, is an, the side of him being the antagonist is because of someone having much more superior power over him, kind right. of thing, and there's no way out yeah. of it. You know, it, being, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say is, uh, yeah, Balin. It's like he's the reluctant soldier in that he's getting paid by, uh, by the witch, and therefore he he has his code. Okay, you hired me. This is what I'm doing, regardless of how he might deeply feel. He's got a code, like his word. I, I'm serving you. I'm going to serve you. We're going to get Thrawn. Yeah. You know, and they've shown that the Republic has no clue what they're doing. And yeah. that's the one thing that's been running through. So mm-hmm. it's almost as if Balin's going, yeah, Thrawn might not be great, but we're going to have a hell of a lot more structure to the galaxy with Thrawn than <laughs> we ever going to have with the Republic, which is in chaos right now. I mean, that was the whole kind of approach with the Emperor in in some respects, is that it, you, you saw that in Rebels. Some people were like, yeah, we don't exactly like the Empire, but... I've got structure. We've got, co- you know, we've got soldiers patrolling. I could do business. Yeah, I might not always like my business, but it's Mark. You know, Mark, I think the phrase is Mussolini made the trains run on oh, time. Yeah, there you go. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. For me, Balin really highlights the difference between the word villain and antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think Morgan and Thrawn are villains, right? They're pretty cut yeah. and dry. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, 
but Balin is an antagonist purely in the sense that he's just opposing the protagonists. Right. But he's mm-hmm. not villainous. I don't, I mean, he does villainous things, but he's not a villain. Yeah. Um, why does he want to bring about the empire once more? If he's not, you know, I think, a villain? I, Mike, I think, the, I think it's more complex than that. I don't think it's black and white. I yeah. Think, well, that's, that's what I mean. I think it's, there's a very complicated reason here. why mm-hmm. he wants to and, bring them back. Here. And, and we're probably going to find out maybe later <laughs> on in the show why he's going to be that way. And 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 Mike, the one thing that comes to my mind, especially after that with Balin, I'm thinking about that quote from Fellowship of the Ring with Gandalf. The, the, the quote, when did Saruman underwise reason for madness? Now I'm asking, is there a reason why Balin is still reasoning for madness going forward? I'm sure there is kind of thing. Again, well, I don't, I don't, I that's a, he doesn't see it as madness is the thing. No, he doesn't. But right. it's like, what does it? Yeah, for and, him. But you, know? you you had those people in the uh, Empire when the Empire was huge. Mm-hmm. We saw it Rebels who didn't see the Empire as bad. They just saw it as another governing body. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. didn't see them as good mm-hmm. or bad, even though the Empire was doing bad things behind the scenes. And we all know that mm-hmm. they didn't from their little world, as far as they know, okay, these guys are in charge now. And, oh, hey, my supply, my supply lanes are safe. I'm making money. Yeah. I'm living my life. Yeah. They aren't bothering me. So, you know, Balin, in some respects, doesn't necessarily maybe see the full evil of the Empire just because, it, you know, it was head by the Emperor. Sure. But from his perspective, he was he's looking at it just as that we, yeah. we had control under them. We've got, yep. we've got chaos under the Republic. So, you know, I like control. That's why I'm going with this guy, yeah. you know, uh, and and that's what I like about it. And for as much as everybody loves to crap on Last Jedi, I personally love Last Jedi. I've been a minority. I know. But no, they, I like it, too. But I like are, Last Jedi as well. Much better than the rise of Skywalker. Yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> and, and what I'm looking at Ahsoka is what they were trying to start to lean towards with Last Jedi, but being done and handled a lot better than what Last Jedi did with it, but it's still what they're leaning towards, which is like Sabine. We see it with Sabine. Anybody could actually be in tune with the Force at some angle, respect, whatever, that they just need the discipline and training. There is no black or white with it. That's what they do with the Rey character. She goes into the pit in Last Jedi, and Luke's like, what the hell are you doing? And she's like, I'm looking for answers. She didn't see the pit as evil as either you know, Sith or Jedi. She's like, I got answers down there. And, you know, she found out what it was and okay, moved on. She didn't get corrupted by it. Yeah. And here we've got Ahsoka who is in that gray area. She sees the flaws on both sides. You've got Sabine who has shown no force ability whatsoever. She's a good fighter, yet they're still taking her on as a Padawan, you know, and you've got Balin and his apprentice who aren't really Sith. She's more Sith than him. But at the same time, yeah, they're doing bad things, but they're also not like just choking guys because they didn't listen to their orders. So, I mean, we've got a lot of characters who are just characters. We have so I, much, oh, there's so much going on. It's that's why I said in the group chat, I was like, honestly, somebody's one, one of them's got to got to die or be taken out of the picture in yeah. the next couple episodes because it's. Too oh, it crazy. will happen. It will happen. I, I think I don't have any specific predictions, but. um I don't see – I mean, I could make a case for for a lot of them sticking around. I couldn't make a case for Balin dying yet. I couldn't make a case for um, – I could maybe make a case for Shin, but she hasn't really been developed yet. 
So I don't know if they take her out of the equation without really giving us, because she's said maybe like four sentences throughout the whole, like she has not had a lot of dialogue. We do not know what her deal is. We, we kind of get the sense that she is kind of just going along with Balin, but she doesn't 100% agree with him. Like you, you kind of get the sense that she's, she's ready to, to, to defect if she needs to. Right. I mean, and I feel like with Balin, there's going to be some reveal that the New Republic did something to him, which is why he killed all those guys in the hallway so mm-hmm. heartlessly. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and that's why he wants the the uh, he, the Empire to rise up again. He's another Jango Fat clone. He's got a beef. Yeah. He's got a beef. Yeah, he's got a beef with the New Republic for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know. Do you mind if I ask a quick question, Mike? I know uh, I don't want to. Um, be the host here. I do have another question for you and for everyone on the panel. Like I said, it was more learned than me on this, but I can't help but feel very much so. And it reminds me of when I saw the first three that there are commentaries about religion in here and maybe Mm. even fanaticism. And I think one of the things I like about this show is it's kind of asking, uh, do you have to be a Jedi to be able to be good and sort of a good fighter or do you have to be full sith to also sort of embrace uh the empire and some of those kind of things because i I find again that gray area here where i I think there is almost a purity test that becomes a commentary a lot of times how religious uh sort of tropes and, and ideology gets out of the hands of people like you can't meet this this perfection and so people get turned off and maybe leave yeah. the church mm-hmm. and i feel some of those themes here like there's almost a piousness on both sides and i'm not suggesting that you know christianity is as bad as as you know whatever other uh non-religions are out there or you know any other whether it's um you know boozism or anything else but i find that um they seem to be making comments about how sort of these orders, if you will, these orders of people with their monk-like existences and their <laughs> clothing and their learnedness and, well, she hasn't done this and he hasn't done that and he'll never be this and he's yeah. just a man, she's just a Mandalorian. It, it seems very snotty. And mm-hmm. I think that stuff makes me wonder if, if this isn't sort of reading between the lines a little bit of commentary on religion but oh absolutely i think so i mean because (laughs) the whole reason anakin skywalker's life was sort of ruined was because when someone needed to listen to him when he was in love with padme and he was having visions of her dying they couldn't because it was almost like taking a vow of chastity as a jedi yeah also let's not use hedging language he did he did ruin his life his life he did did not oh yeah he was he still killed kids and that's inexcusable yeah, yeah. That was the beginning of his crimes, just mm-hmm. to be clear. Like, that was yeah. the start of it. But I think... I, go ahead, Tara, go ahead. I mean, even that, like, you know, like, like you know, then even when, like, I, you're, like, even from those moments, like, even of Anakin, when he goes to the dark side, thinking back on the Sith, which hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll revisit Hayden, hopefully, if we make it to that kind of thing. But I'm just thinking, you know, like, even when they get into politics, like, how even there's that conversation at film where... You know, where Obi-Wan tells him, you know, tells Anakin that his allegiance is is towards democracy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It just kind of shows how mm-hmm. like like I feel like the whole political approach and whatnot to those sticking to their sides is what's playing the big role in why and and why there's certain outcomes with certain characters or ones we don't know yet. Kind well, of I thing. mean, I think I think what Ahsoka's arc is telling us is that 
you know, it's fine if you want an ideological structure. I mean, that's why people, people some people need the ideological structure of religion, of organized mm -hmm. religion. But there's also nothing wrong with finding your, forging your own way spiritually. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's that part of Stoker right there, is that she sees both sides of it. Right. And she, wants, she, she doesn't even want to cut through it or destroy either one of them. She yes. walked away from it years and years ago and keeps getting pulled and pulled back into it. Yes. And she just keeps getting frustrated and frustrated. And, and now I think we're seeing her at a point where she's just like, all right, I'm going to train this Mandalorian. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking in the back of my head that Hera asked her to train Sabine mm -hmm. so, that, so, that, so that Jason has somebody to train him. Yeah, like she, mm. she is. We haven't touched on this yet, but I think Hera is scared to death of what Jason might become. Mm -hmm. if he's not trained either well or correctly or at yeah. all or by somebody that he knows. Because he, he will be. Yeah, he will probably a lot be. A lot of stuff that we haven't talked about in the show. Like we keep going back to Balin, but like that, that right there is like the heart of Ahsoka is like she's not good. She's not bad. She sees both sides and she's fucking sick of it at this point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I you mean, know it's interesting she's going to have her own agenda and try to get through this mess whatever means necessary and you know obviously the whole Sabine situation was a you know well it's interesting <laughs> you bring that up too because one of the other things that ran through my head and this is where I uh, dig a, a little bit of a, a stranger path but um, I don't know if you guys know the Stephen Sondheim musical Into the Woods yeah, there's a famous song I've seen, at the it, end. I've seen it many okay, times I love it it's one of my favorites of his and anyway there's a song that's kind of the big one at the end called uh, you know children will listen careful the things you say children will listen children will listen careful the things you do children will see and learn from you. I think this is definitely setting up sort of three strains of parenting, if you will. And, and, and it sort of became a little bit of a theme as we talked about in the Mandalorian season three, maybe throughout, but um, yeah, like uh, what are their charges going to do? You know, like Shin seems a little bit enigmatic so far, but she's watching and she's wondering what her play is and where she fits in. Yeah. And I think that Sabine feels already like, well, no matter who I am, you're always going to be discriminated against me. So maybe it's better for me to be rebellious once a rebel, all those kind of lines. And I think what you just said about uh, uh, General Hera is right. I mean, they bring in the kid episode, like how many characters do you need in this? But the kid is there <laughs> to like, what is that young boy going to learn from all this? Yeah. What is he going to see? And again, uh, I loved your point, John, about like uh, Ahsoka seeing it all and sort of sick of it. She's a little bit like the pale rider that Clint Eastwood paid where, is she yep. a preacher? Did she used to be a preacher? Is he even alive? Is that an avenging angel? <laughs> it doesn't matter, but it's like, I've seen the way to do it and be nice. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you down and hit you with this big stick. Uh, um, I've seen some shit phase, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a part of that. I don't give a shit phase that you just mentioned, John, about Ahsoka. And I think that's you know, what will that teach uh her charge or maybe even Shin? I mean, I'm not sure that Shin is entirely buying into all that she's been sort of uh, a sign thus far either. So I don't know. There, there's a lot of levels, a lot of characters, as you said, but that sort of B level of religion and parenting, I think is very fascinating about here and, and, and being very strongly developed some four episodes in. Yeah, yeah. They've got the, the, yeah, the, and can I just spotlight Kevin Kiner's music? His score mm -hmm. is so good. That last week. 
<laughs> yeah. Now is he the same guy who scored the Clone Wars and and, and um, Rebels? Rebels. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I thought so because it sounded a bit like his stuff, but with some orchestration actually so added. He to was it. handpicked by George Lucas. Like mm. he was yeah. like George mm. Lucas handpicked him for. I've talked with Kevin Kiner before, and he told me mm. that um, George Lucas picked him for the job of Clone like at Clone Wars. So because this was before and, the the Lucasfilm acquisition in, in Disney. Um, and he does he does very well. What again? I'll bring him up. The two a Star Wars story films did not. In that he still works in the original themes we know and love, but also gives it his own bit of spin. Yes. Where literally you have the asteroid chase redone in solo, like yes. almost beat yeah. for beat. I know I'm a big soundtrack geek guy too. And so, yeah. so you listening to this, like when I, with Rebels, I was blown away with the music for Rebels when they did the episode. Here's a spoiler, folks. When they did the episode where they tracked down Rex. And they're hunting the worm, and he literally pulled cues from Jaws. Yeah, <laughs> for the music for that episode, I'm like, what kid? No kid's gonna get this reference. <laughs> That's but, why, like, his scores is it's enjoyable for everybody, right? Like, yeah. people like us are like, holy shit! Like, Kevin Kiner is coming out all cylinders. Like, yeah, way better than the score from Obi Wan, which it yes. had, like it had yes. like there was. I will say, I did love the uh, song, like when they're actually battling with the duel. But it felt like that was like the one song where all the effort was put in and the rest of it felt like a bunch of synthesizers and it was just awful. Like this, like there's it's it's Star Warsy, but it's also its own thing. Like yeah. when Ahsoka is fighting uh Balin Orso, they have a lot of that instrumentation you'd find in an old samurai film. Yeah. That's playing its themes and it's kind of getting you into that like the, those sort of like little hints and cues and especially at the end when we see anakin you know it's playing this hopeful thing but then it ends with about four notes of the imperial, imperial march. march i love yeah. that yeah have you noticed yeah. too that the that all the trailers for ahsoka pretty much only showed footage up through episode four yeah I don't mm, think anything past episode four it's hopeful you you do get one shot of Thrawn in in yes you do the that's trailer true. you do get one you shot get one of Thrawn. but it's a back shot right right it's a yeah shot. there yeah. is a front shot and it's in our thumbnail there, too is, unfortunately oh is there okay <laughs> yeah but, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like uh, blue Elon Musk a little, <laughs> a little bit a little I'm bit, so yeah. glad they got Lars Mikkelsen back yeah oh yeah once yes. you hear him speak I think people will stop with the Elon Musk stuff. Well, they probably won't. It's the internet. <laughs> and that's what I liked about Rebels, because that's what surprised me, too, was I heard about Thrawn. I didn't read the books. I yeah. I don't get a chance to read a lot. And there were so many after a while, especially after Heir to the Empire. The expanded universe but is huge. Yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. it was it was huge. And it just overwhelmed me. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to dive into mm -hmm. that. But when I saw Rebels, it had the introduction to Thrawn. I loved Thrawn. Thrawn was like one of my favorite villains because... You know, he was not what I expected. Everybody, you know, built him up. And I'm like, okay, what kind of bad guy is he? And he's this tactician. He's basically mm -hmm. just a really good tactician. He's a genius. Yeah, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he's genius. He's not really, he's not really force. I thought maybe, you know, oh, he's with the Sith or dark side. No, nope. he just, he is a genius tactician. And he, he thinks eight steps ahead. And I loved the character like that, the way they yeah. played him. He shows you that it's scary when somebody is always eight steps ahead. Like right. he's, he's scary because he's all he and he's anticipating everybody. He sees it as a game of chess that he's already won. Right. Right. Like 
And, and so it makes me wonder how he's going to take being, I know this is all speculative, but how he's going to take being rescued by the witch, because you, you know, the way his brain works, it's going to be an interesting pairing. Unless this was part of his plan. Unless mm-hmm. it's part of his plan. The way I see it though, is that she's going to be going into this thinking one thing and he's going to have his own agenda yeah. and he's just going to use her as a pawn to get back yep. to the galaxy. But she thinks, Oh, he's going to, you know, he's the second he coming of all this. No. no. Yeah. And he'll, he, he will have no trouble 86 in her into the airlock as soon as he's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. done with her. In fact, he might because of her powers and whatnot, she could be a threat down the road. That's should, a good point. You know, yeah. oppose him. She you is know, the most disposable, I feel like, out of the people that he has in his circle, like Balin, Shen. I feel like that we still have more development for Balin and, and Shen. I feel right. like if they're going to yeah. kill somebody, they would kill Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. She would mm-hmm. be the, because she's just kind of straight up like evil nice sister. Although nice sisters aren't evil, we had that nice sister from uh, Jedi Fallen Order mm-hmm. who uh, is actually good. So we'll, <laughs> well see. No, about but, that. but, but, no, she's not. She's not exactly evil, but their their power definitely scares a lot of people, including Balin. Yeah, you know, Balin. It's always hilarious that you've got the Jedi who use the Force, and he's sitting there going, "Witchcraft," and I'm like, "Look who's doing it!" You yeah. Know? yeah. Okay, like, Mr. Orange lightsaber. I'm gonna go around and kill everybody. Sure, witchcraft. You're the one pushing people in the middle of the air using the Force. I do. I do have a question for the group. Um, this is going to be hypothetical, but what do you think is going to be on uh, Thrawn's to-do list when he gets back to the galaxy? Mm, he's going to bring in fleets of the Empire and start attacking. Or no, he's going to have to... He attack, I was about to say, he's going to attack him from the inside. The New Republic, mm-hmm. you know, he'd probably send some spies in there to gather intel about them and then... I think the sort of the show is to retcon the sequels, right? Yeah, so yes. pretty much. Yeah, do whatever they can to pull shit in from the movies to make them make oh. more sense and make them more rewatchable. And yeah, yeah. they'll be like, oh, okay, you know, he immediately goes to Camino for cloning going and forward. Like, and like you, know, you said, he and like you... goes to the destroyed Death Stars and starts pulling Kyber crystals. You know, he he has a plan coming back. We don't know what it's going to be. Eventually he builds, or we think he becomes the first order, blah, blah, blah. Knights of Ren. Maybe they're related to Sabine Ren. We don't know that yet. Like there's a lot of stuff and there's only four episodes left. Yeah, and like you said, Kylo Ren got his name and, from Sabine and like, Ren. Maybe. And like, and like you said, John, kind of thing, like, 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 you know, what they're doing to make these things more rewatchable. That probably explains why, why, why they're bringing the tr- these trilogies back to theaters they want people back in their star wars mindset mm-hmm. that, that that they've probably fallen out of they want them to get their knowledge back mm-hmm. or 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 even take their kids who have not been around that time frame expose mm-hmm. them to that if world you guys are new i've said this to mike a few times i honestly think that the first order is not the empire it's the mandalorians mm-hmm. running shit. i could see that that's an interesting yeah. that up Bruce that. Sabine going and you know basically Sabine and Thrawn team up with and use Ezra to become the First Order. Holy cow! That might that make the sequels rewatchable. It, it could be that. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure. That one kind of goes into uh, why does Kylo Ren have a Force power where he can stop phaser bolts in midair? 
Because he's Mandalorian. Because <laughs> you could write whatever force power Mandalorian you want. Mandalorian and a Jedi, they'll never see that coming. He did it with the Clone Wars. It took him seven seasons, oh, yeah. plus a movie, plus another half a season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can do that with one series with eight episodes of Ahsoka. Yeah, I mean, j- we, we talked about it before. Dave Filoni is Star Wars' janitor. Where he comes yeah. in, he sees the mess that George Lucas has left behind oh, with the prequels, and then he picks it up, and then he makes it all watchable again. We actually care about what happens to yeah. these George Lucas didn't make the mess. Oh, what with the prequels? No, I mean, they like with the sequels, the sequel cleanup, making the sequels watchable. George Lucas didn't have anything to do. Oh with no, that. but Dave Filoni is going to clean that up too now. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 his job. He planted you know, the seeds you find some terrible writing, bring in Dave Filoni to fix it. He planted the seeds of the last Mandalorian season, throwing the Darth Maul references in there. That's right. Um, you know what's his face, the the head bad guy that got his ass beat by the man. He, that, that like that whole that last episode just fell apart for me anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. When you find out it was just a bad guy trying to clone himself, that they can build on, and you know, blah blah blah. But yeah, like. Well, but the big, the biggest thing to come out of Mandalorian season three, in all honesty, is we knew Thrawn was coming back, and they pretty much confirmed that Thrawn, you know, it, it, it is back by the end of Mandalorian season three. Um, yeah. You know, so so we know when we kind of know when Ahsoka takes place, uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. You're right; it is cleanup. It's it. It's like Filoni maybe couldn't do something quite original by himself but he's able to come in and look yeah. at the plot holes and come up with feasible ways mm-hmm. to f- either fill them use the good bits like i said he's using some of the bits from the last jedi as much as people dislike it the idea that you could train almost anybody mm-hmm. to be a jedi and that not all jedis are just good or bad mm-hmm. those themes were throughout the last jedi and it's it's here for sure in Ahsoka. So he's picking in, in, those bits out and it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. I, I'm, I, th- until you dropped it, now that you mentioned that the Mandalorians are the first order that I could almost see because being a Mandalore isn't exactly a race. It's, it's, it's a religion. Yeah. It, it, you know, so that easily could be first order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that could easily be first order. And, you know, first order would have nothing to do with the emperor's plans, you know, because the galaxy's just got all these components going hiding. on. Who was he hiding from? He was hiding from the first order. Right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. He he could have been. Forward, maybe. I don't know. He could have yeah, been. Right. If I, I was going, I would do. That's the direction that I would take it, but yeah. Yeah. It'll be <clears> interesting <throat> to see what they do with Ezra because that that was you know, that was the kind of the big question mark in Rebels when I was watching it going, I love this character. I love the fact we have these two Jedis. I don't remember these guys mentioned anywhere because I'm old school trilogy. I'm with Jeff. I saw Empire in the theater. I saw I was two and a half years old when I saw original Star Wars. Very first movie I ever saw, you know, but I watched those religiously. Those are in my DNA. And I'm like, how are they going to explain having these two Jedis who we haven't really heard before. They, they did it well. Ezra gets sucked, you know, with Thrawn into another galaxy and, uh, uh was it Jason dies, uh, or not Jason, um, uh, you know, uh, Kanan, Jason, Caleb. huh? Kanan, Kanan. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Yeah. He hmm. dies. So I'm like, okay, so that, that makes sense. Now when Ezra comes back, it'll be interesting to see 
what they do with his character and how they work that into the the lore and the mythos, you know, of of everything because he's going to be in the middle of the stuff for the galaxy with the rebels and the new re- or with the new republic and that. He's not going to be able to just fade away like an Obi-Wan into the desert. No. And it's it's interesting with this show, we don't know where they're going to go because we we ended it with the world between worlds which was that was yeah. something i was asking are they gonna go there are they gonna do that and then when they do <laughs> you go holy shit this they're about to introduce time travel to star wars something i'm not exactly thrilled about but at the same time if they handle it correctly it won't work like traditional time travel yeah where, you know someone will go back in time or there's and a multi connection to the force it's not tr- it's not time travel yeah. yeah yeah it was it's so well i remember like there was an episode of rebels where ahsoka was fighting vader and then ezra yep. pulled her out and saved her yeah. and this is sort of the same thing where ahsoka was fighting fighting balin and by the way balin is far from a forgettable villain because first off i mean yes we don't know if he's exactly a villain but also like we've always seen this, we've seen Ahsoka defeat Maul. We've seen Ahsoka almost defeat everyone. Balin took her down in one fight. <laughs> yeah. So she's going to have to learn something from Anakin on how to fight correctly. Well, she hurt her hand though. The yeah. only, the only, the only. Yeah, I was going to say she, 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 she hurt her yeah. hand, and her whole mission was to stop the map. Was not yeah. to fight Balin, so she was yeah. more distracted. Mm-hmm. So I could see where you could explain that away to where if it was just an all-out focused fight between the two, I think it goes a bit differently. But she yeah. was, she had three things going on at once. Uh, uh, defend herself against Balin, take out the map, and what the heck is happening to Sabine? She yeah. had those going on all at yeah. once. So, okay. you know. Mike, I got to go. But okay. Nice seeing you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We'll see you later. By the way, I saw Jericho Mile. It was, uh, I, we'll talk about it. It was great. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I'm behind on my my homework, podcast homework. So I'll, I'll watch it and get back to you. Yeah. Okay. No worries. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Bye, guys. So, so I'm just, so just saying that you could possibly explain it away. That's why Ahsoka maybe got bested a bit by Balin in this fight is that he, all his job was was to defend it against the the orb that's yeah. all yeah that's know. true she was distracted there were those things i'm just wondering uh how how they're going to explain anakin now that he's he's like what 20 years younger although he kind of <laughs> still like the de-aging looks a little weird on hating christensen that's the battlefront Anakin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know the level of Star Wars and, haircut, right? And like and John and down. John and, and John and Mike, I've I've told you this, but I have not told you this, uh, Mark or Jeff, years ago, like um thirteen years ago now, ironically. I actually ran into Hayden Christensen. It was ironically mm. in like Southfield, Michigan. He was I don't know why he was there. I think as the other actors he was dating at the time was like his hometown. But Hayden Christensen is like he's not tall at all, like they made him look, nothing like that. But and it was kind of awkward, but also fun because he was easy to talk to. But he's just standing in the corner by like one of the garbage cans outside the hotel, just <laughs> Shane smoking. So I'm like <laughs> I'm like 16 years old, but he's like all laid back talking while he has his cigarettes, and I'm thinking well no wonder why you probably stay so thin you kind of I didn't say that but i'm but i'm just thinking but he was he was cool he was fun to talk with though kind of he was yep. on the oppenheimer hey, diet 
Yeah. Hayden Christensen unfortunately suffered at the hands of Lucas direction mm-hmm. is what ended up happening with his character. And don't get me wrong. And I've had this conversation with many of my friends. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, Star Wars has been in my DNA since I was two and a half. Okay. I, under- he builds fantastical worlds. Mm-hmm. George Lucas comes up with a great story and fantastical world building. When it comes to direction and dialogue, mm-hmm. he needs to put someone else in the chair and not do it himself. And I think yeah. the prequels mm-hmm. suffered from that. He had all these great elements and all this stuff that he could pull from that he set up in the original trilogy, but he was also directing and producing. And that you could get a little full of yourself and get a little blind to what you're actually doing. And I think with Hayden Christensen, Hayden needed more direction or better direction than what he got some. for Clone Wars and Sith or some direction, especially being a young kid. And even even to an extent, um, uh, Osmond, you know, it, it, Haley Joe, you know, uh, playing the young Anakin. He needed no, that bet- was um, or not. Uh, uh, that was uh, um, Jake, Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. Sorry. Uh, and- Jake Lloyd playing, uh, um, you know, the young Anakin. He needed better direction too i think i think the prequels are better with a better director you can keep mm-hmm. the ideas and stories of the world there and all that but they needed a better director and maybe someone else to go over the script you know yep. i don't piggyback and, off of that when we saw that phantom menace trailer it didn't look like anything from star wars we've seen before right but it was amazing we're like oh my god this is something i haven't seen this what is this gonna be and he had all the elements for greatness again. But unfortunately, these movies were more reliant on dialogue and acting. And because of that, that's where they started to fall apart. And, 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 uh, Marco, and even though you did mention Haley Jossman, I, however, he was supposed to play Anakin. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I got, he never, he never got a callback, but I think it's probably a blessing. He did not given Jake Lloyd's career. Like I remember I attended like the Chicago comic-con Jake Lloyd was Mm -hmm. there. And I guess apparently Jake Lloyd was at his desk and people kept asking him the questions he hated. So he would just get up from the table and be like, I'm not going to do this kind of thing because because people would keep asking him what happened since why aren't you not with it anymore and he just he spent yeah. like like the one thing he like instead of getting fame it's like all he did was act and he played young anakin he didn't do anything wrong then the world gave him shit for it yeah kind of well i mean yeah. it's kind of sad that a bunch of people were going around giving shit to a nine-year-old kid. yes you know, someone of that age, like, look, he was he the best actor? No, I've seen Jingle all the way. He's not. <laughs> but, you know, it, that doesn't excuse the fact that people are going around and berating a child. Like and, that, That's just some cowardice and, shit. To do. And apparently many of those actor, actors and actresses that were younger when they were doing the Star Wars movies, like Natalie Portman even said she didn't get to attend the Phantom Menace premiere because she was still like a senior in high school. So she's like, I can't mm-hmm. go. That's my mm-hmm. finals week. So yeah. it's like the career, they have the nostalgia with them being in the franchise, but more have the more positive nostalgia. And sadly, Jake Lloyd continues on with the negative <laughs> now, Natalie Portman, you wouldn't really even have to DA. Which, I, which is same. unfortunate, yeah. sadly, because Phantom <laughs> Menace still has a fan base. 
You know, I'm wondering, just to hit on the Lucas thing for a second, because uh, one of Lucas's first big movies was, well, his first big hit movie was American Graffiti. Right. He was terrific with actors. He was terrific with the writing there. I wonder if part of it is I, if this genre doesn't demand less dialogue. I mean, I think Mm. for every, uh, Mm. you know, Ray Stevenson or Alec Guinness or Christopher Lee, you've got, you know, making the hoariest of dialogue sound pretty good or, you know, they're turgid uh, sort of <laughs> short threats sing because they're British. Uh, if, if these things wouldn't be better taking a page from Kurosawa, who clearly filmed for the world to watch because they weren't laid down with dialogue or even Sergio Leone. I mean, Henry Fonda is one of the greatest talking actors in the history of cinema. And yet in once upon a time in America, he probably had 10 lines. I just think of these people, I mean, and that's one thing I love about Rosaria Dawson. She's kind of a spitfire and she's always kind of big and, you know, that mouth and her tongue and her big lips. I mean, they almost are like, you know, a Muppet creation, but here that's all reined in. And I find her just, she pulls me towards her watching her because she's just sitting there. And when she's still, I think she's so much more, interesting it's like mad max he didn't say mm-hmm. much in road warrior you know and he was just an interesting presence in there i find when this genre this franchise even these series just let the music let the sitting there and like the, these interesting characters and their look and sort of the in-between moments work it's it's really effective and i think when they suddenly have to spout all this exposition and say, why are we doing this? Where are we going to? What are we doing here? It gets a little bit like, okay, now we're spoon feeding the Jeff Yorks or the six-year-olds out there who don't know this all that well. Well, let's not look at also what end up Lucas ended up doing to one of the best side characters in all of sci-fi history. The reason, and I come from the original cut before special edition world. So the reason why everybody loved Boba Fett in the first three films for so long is because he looked badass. He didn't say much. Yeah. He could bring it, you know, and, and there was a mystery about him. Special mm. edition comes along and they mm. make him a pimp daddy for one, which just, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that scene where he's like, yeah, you know, I'll talk to you later, you know, type of thing with the Twi'lek girls. No, what made Boba Fett cool was he's this guy in the background. The most line he gets is when he's with Vader and he goes, you know, he's no good to be dead. You know, that's yeah. about the only thing we ever hear Boba Fett say. But that's and he's given Darth Vader shit. Yes. He doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's you know, like the, that's like one of the wonders of Ahsoka is they give you Shin and they give you Balin and you they give you that question mark again. Like yeah. Star Wars hasn't really done that in a very long time. And to have yeah. them do that, like they did it with Maul a little bit. You know, you didn't really know where he was. I mean, you did but you didn't. Right. <laughs> we knew he was a Sith, but we didn't know what was going on with Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. We had no idea back then. We knew he was a bad guy. He was right. Darth Vader-ish. But mm-hmm. these two with the with the question marks over the head are very, very similar to exactly what you're saying. It's just like, what is, like, who are these guys? Let's breathe some life into them. Like, oh my, yeah, it's, this yeah. this series is just, it's, it is like some of the best Star Wars that we've seen. And it's all of the same of the best Star Wars that right. we've seen. And yeah. I'm just, it's the it's the it's the Clone Wars plus Rebels part. Uh, I guess we could say five or and literally like the parallels of it. Like you saw the yeah. Anakin and Obi Wan farewell. You saw the, almost the exact same farewell when Sabine and uh, Ahsoka were saying goodbye right. to Yang. 
Yeah. yeah. You guys better stick together. You do better together. <laughs> oh my God. Like something bad's going to, like something really bad is about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then very, very similarly with the, mm-hmm. with the mall uh, fight and the Obi-Wan fight, the very last time they meet, very similar to how um, Ahsoka ends that, that night, that uh, night of Ren or whatever that dude is, that Inquisitor. Yeah. Like yeah. she just takes her time with it, waits for him to make his move. Jeff York just watched that one scene. <laughs> you don't have to watch <laughs> seven seasons of. I'm I'm up to speed. I got it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. And then and, and just the mall scene where Maul is like, oh my goodness, yeah, that yeah. Is the best Star Wars um, moment ever, and to have all that almost recreated in live action with Ahsoka and this guy is that was fun to watch. Like I love um, the parallels that he's doing. Like we yeah. might be, we not, might not actually see these scenes recreated. Like me and Mike were talking when this first started. We're like, we're, we want to see that temple scene <laughs> with the versus Vader. Like, no, actually, let's let's just see like more of this. Yeah. Like some of the best Star Wars that we've ever seen. Again, but not like mm-hmm. the Force Awakens, where it's like, okay, cool, you know, the mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon's flying through some stuff and okay. you know gets out of it and blows up a big thing again. Okay, cool, like. It's not that kind of Star Wars, Star Wars rewatching stuff over, but yeah. giving us the best of the best again, and I'm I'm good with it, man. This is, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just what we were hoping for. We were hoping for that live action animation, and that's exactly what we got with Dave Filoni at the helm of this show because Dave Filoni understands his Star Wars. He um, understands how to write around something that maybe wasn't you know, so well written in terms of the dialogue department, you know, they like in the Clone Wars, they actually established a love story Mm -hmm. between Obi-Wan Kenobi and then the person who ran Mandalore before it became a warlord state again. Mm -hmm. You know, you actually, you actually saw how Obi-Wan was once in love and also reached out to Anakin and said, Hey, I know, you know, where you're coming from. Let me help you. If there's something going on and Anakin shuts him down and you also see how Anakin becomes a great leader through the clone wars. So with this, maybe we'll see in live action, the Anakin that the people of the clone wars got to see, but people who didn't get to see it, get to see. And it's like, we get to see maybe a little more Hayden Christensen with a little more personality or at least some better dialogue to work with here. Um, I agree. By the way, guys, um, I unfortunately, have to log off, but um, it was great discussing Star Wars with you, and I will see you at the next episode again. Thank you, Mike, Mark, yeah, Jeff, yep. John. I will see you next week. You have a good night and a good weekend. I'll see you. All soon. right, all right. Take it easy. Take it easy. See you there. See you around. Bye. See, and I, I think you, you, you guys all hit it on the head. There's nothing wrong with history repeating itself in Star Wars. In fact, mm-hmm. it has over and over again. It yeah. depends on how subtle and how you approach it. And that's one thing Filoni is doing right mm-hmm. that Lucas seemed to kind of miss is that you can still give the same feeling, the same setup, heck, even the same type of action, but still give it a different setting, a different approach to it to where it still feels interesting and it doesn't feel like you just copied and pasted this fight scene to this movie you know like 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 you did you know i remember when they built up sith epic fight between obi-wan and and anakin and it was don't get me wrong it it absolutely was you know kind of what you were hoping for but in all honesty the point where he he i have the high ground and where he actually gets you know uh, mauled uh no pun intended um 
that was kind of anticlimactic in the sin. You know, the way it happened, it's like, wait, they, they fought all of this way and Anakin makes this move now. It's mm-hmm. it's like you could have done it differently to where he, he's slowly lopping limbs off of Anakin who won't stop rather than Anakin making one dumb move and him just going loop and cut off three, you know. You know looking back shows you that Obi-Wan was lying the whole time. Mm-hmm. The high ground is not an advantage. No, it's a disadvantage. Yeah, that's <laughs> how he defeated Darth Maul. He leaped up he, from he, above and into thinking that the high ground, like, give me the high ground, go ahead. But he knows he's at a disadvantage, so he's going to be extra defensive and wait for you to make your move right. and then get you. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what Anakin thought he could see through the lies of the Jedi. He could not. He was right. a fool lying there with three limbs missing. Looking up and being like, "Oh shit, you got me." You know, it's it's one of those things. He was lying the whole time. Yeah, John, we've gotten to a point I think in in film where so often because it's action adventure, that's the genre. Or I mean, you can say sci-fi, but at the end of the day, it's kind of action adventure that we think it has to be something that is physical prowess in the sense Mm -hmm. of brute strength, and that I think uh, was a little bit of an unfortunate part of Christopher Nolan's Batman series, is that we always saw Mm -hmm. him as this kind of uh, uh, brawler, but not so much as the supposedly brilliant detective that uh, the Batman is also supposed to be. Thankfully, thankfully the animated series couldn't show that much violence, so they had to play him as a detective more. I always thought in Star Wars that Obi-Wan should have, his age should have made him victorious. Like, he should have had some sort of strategy where he knew... You know, some sort of move or some sort of uh, even trap. I I mean, you know, something where he would have been like, that's why you don't fuck with the old guy in the room, you know, kind of stuff. Not not that I'm saying that because I'm getting older, but still, I mean, I think that, again, age and wisdom affects, I mean, or at least strategy. I mean, again, I don't want to necessarily bring it back to the Road Warrior, but I love the Road Warrior where they set up one of the greatest car chases where they're trying to get that big tanker and they're chasing it down this thing for 20 minutes and you don't know how the hell it was shot and everybody's dying and all this kind of shit. And then at the end, it's strategy. It's strategy. They're, they're the decoy. They're the one full of sand. Meanwhile, the other gas tank is way over here and nobody's following it. I wish that Star Wars would sometimes do some of that here, you know, where, where there was a little bit more of like, oh, those Jedis. It is a Jedi mind trick. They just pulled the greatest trick since the prestige or something. Instead of like, I'm more powerful. Look at me. Keep bamming, whamming you like you're a pinata. It's like, that's just brute strength. There's no skill in that. Right. I think he kind of knew through training. Throat like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Come on. <laughs> it's the Ali idea. I think I think that's why uh, Obi-Wan was so easy to take down Anakin, that he knew through his training, like that one move that Anakin kept screwing up. So he's like, okay, we'll do the <laughs> high ground move on you because I know you're going to screw it up again. Anakin the whole, since day one. Yeah. So he set him up from day one. He's like, yeah. if the dude turns on me, I, he's going to think that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. And I'm gonna get him. He, 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 like I. Oh, dude. See, the more I think about it, it's like Obi Wan's pretty smart, and that just goes right back to what Jeff was saying. Like he did get him with that's his. True. Smart. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah, that's true. He like, did. Years and years and years was like no, dude. The high ground, like the high ground, really high ground. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. It's yeah. the best in the world. You can't get anybody when they're up there. Yeah, because people have been arguing that for years. They're like, well, what does it matter if he had the high ground? Because when he fought against Darth Maul, he had the low ground, but then he went to the high ground and he still killed him. And it's like, well, yeah, because he knew. And with Ahsoka, you can see her thinking. 
And mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that they edit this to show her thinking, mm-hmm. you know, to show these people thinking a little bit more like, I could strike now, but maybe I'll wait. I mean, it's, you know, whether you call it like a, the average house cat or Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. but there's a little bit of her, I'm just studying you and figuring this out first before well, the, I show you anything. Well, the the battle, the, the fight between her and the Inquisitor, that he literally borrowed from Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. If you remember the scene yeah, from Seven right. Samurai, when we get introduced to, and I, I forget the names, but anyway, the, the really quiet but but deadly assassin guy, he's in that field with another guy, and they're standing there, and everybody's just waiting, and the tension <laughs> is there because he sits there with his sword in one position, and the guy gets it, and then he changes another position in one foot, and the other guy, you yeah. know, they're working out in their head how this fight is going and you get that here with the inquisitor and i loved that i actually got a bit of a chill i'm like oh i see what you're doing here and i love that and you get a little bit of that with balin not as much because she was more urgent in an urgent matter to try to stop the map but you still get that to where it is more i think like you said jeff it is more a new hope lightsaber battle than it is Revenge of the Sith lightsaber battle right. because you've got them measuring each other, even though it's a faster battle, they're still measuring each other. And there's pauses. They're not constantly mm-hmm. like, ha ha ha. Ooh, yeah. Force, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was sort of the, the problem with the prequels, which is those lightsaber battles are incredible on screen, but they go on for so long, <laughs> especially like when you get to episode three, like the fight between Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah, it gets it. It's it's like there's lava. Everything's happening around them. It's in hell. It's but it goes on for I think about like nine and a half minutes. Yeah. So like after you see people just hacking at each other for that long, you kind of lose the tension because you're going, okay, when are they going to actually get hit if they just keep bashing their swords against each other? And that's the thing when they keep changing their stances. Like at any time they could get hit, and that was kind of the move that Ahsoka used on that Inquisitor. That, you know, Obi-Wan used on Darth Maul and Rebels, yeah. which was, you know, they're going to come at you with all their strength and just one and you're dead. Yeah, it needs to be more of a chess match than a fencing right. class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Oh, having said that, is there anything else anyone wants to say about the episode before we sign off for today? They did also, uh, for those who hate Last Jedi, they did also negate the... Uh, the uh uh hodo the maneuver where you know she used her uh uh uh, light speed to take out the fleet of star destroyers Mm. they 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 kind of negated that in this episode they they canceled that feasible huh it was a much smaller ship it had a huge hole in it (laughs) if it was a solid solid ship it would have probably destroyed everything that's yeah. true. No, That's I, true. I, I, I totally agree with you. But again, they did they did touch on the um, sequels in the previous episode when Ahsoka was outside on the starship mm-hmm. battling. Yep. Yeah, made that training sequence with Rey and Kylo and the and the starfighter on land like make a little bit more right. sense. Yeah, like that yeah. sequence makes no sense in the film. But now going back and I'm going to rewatch those films eventually after Ahsoka and maybe after another series or two. <laughs> hey can i uh mike can i quickly pull the the three experts here uh yeah is mary elizabeth winstead's makeup a little too green hmm 
it's yeah, on par with yeah. the yeah. Okay, because like I think Rosario Dawson's is not quite as orange as in the cartoon because uh, mm-hmm. they make it a little bit more humanistic or whatever you want to call it. I'm wondering if that's a little too green on old Miss no, Winstead. No, I, I think it's I think if anything, it might just be because it's live action and the way it's lit, it's a little bit lighter than what. Yeah, and could, she's in the brighter yeah. scenes, what, I guess. What, what they could do in the cartoon where it, it's just a darker shade because she's in space more. You know, and yeah. with the orange pants, it's just like she just like glows versus the <laughs> and yeah. those blue contacts too. You know, uh, oh yeah, um, it's so bright. Everything yeah. around, everything around her is neon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm thinking. It's like just a, they could have hewed that down a little bit, color corrected, yeah. down to a mild been, olive or something. It's always <laughs> kind of been the color of those green Twi'leks in the old Star mm-hmm. Wars films. And if there's yeah. one yeah. thing that I've kind of wondered is. Is Ahsoka's talons wobbling too much? Because we never really see them wobble in the cartoons here. And here they're just like, oh. <laughs> it's foam rubber. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a callback to the originals where that's just kind of the prosthetics that they made. So it just right. makes sense to that. Funny. I'm just glad they're using prosthetics. I, I have no problems yeah. with it because they're actually using prosthetics and then try to CGI them in so they mm. move or whatnot. I'm glad they're using prosthetics. They use a lot more practical in this yeah, series. True that I'm happy to see versus say some of the previous series. I think Mm -hmm. I I like to see that they're using more practical, Mm -hmm. uh, but not getting too complicated with the stuff either Mm -hmm. with the sets and that, Uh, you know, that bridge for the, uh, for the uh, 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 hyperspace ring is wonderful. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Noises and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Oh my goodness. It's the audio in that room would, make me happy <laughs> I, I have to say that one line from jason kind of had me laughing where he's like mom i feel like something bad just happened like yeah a yeah. bunch of people just died in front of you yes yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh one thing i like is uh, it, it was in rebels that one of the many things i loved about the show including including uh bendrew the 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 big Fungi guy, I love that guy. I, I feel bad that he died, but I also like the idea that every planet or most planets have Doctor Who, and that's a Doctor ben Who. Ru- yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I like his character, and I like the idea that planets had different representations of the Force, living, you know, th- through avatars and that. I like those characters, but I also liked, I also liked the Hera character because Star Wars has had a problem with some consistency with some of their characters. Mm-hmm. of behaving the same way but Hera has always been always will be a true pure good guy yep i love that i love that about her we yep. barely mm-hmm. get that nowadays to where she's not corruptible she's not really even arguing even through rebels she didn't really get ticked at people or like really really like you know she occasionally she might have got mad if someone didn't listen to her orders but at the same time she didn't hold a grudge. She did it. She was a good person, and she still is that here. And I love that. I love that about her. She wasn't afraid to get emotional, to get her point across. Right. In that meeting with the other senators, she's like, I'm telling you guys right now, you need to stop this war because people have died. My friends have died. My family has died. Kanan died. Like, all of these people died. We, I'm telling you guys, right? And she, like, almost breaks down. Mon mm-hmm. is like, hold, like, bring it in, reel it in. <laughs> I hear a yeah. Jonathan Dula, reel it in a little bit. You know, 
but, but, but yeah, she, she is very consistent with the character and what we've known and what we have like seen through four seasons of Rebels. Jeff, I'm sure you can agree that this character is a pretty strong personality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, at I mean, minimum. Yeah, I mean that's yep. like you you kind of like as she says, once a rebel, always rebel, and you cut you you definitely get that idea when she's bringing her son into a battle <laughs> with her. That she's training her somehow because I don't think that's the safest place to bring your kid. You know, they probably no. could have sent her to like New Republic daycare or something. <laughs> and uh, anything that has Ms. Winstead in it, I think, is always worth a look. Yeah. Oh, and uh, let alone the fact that it's a, a, a death proof a death proof reunion with her. Yes, it is. Yes, Ms. Is. Dawson. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it is. They they both play each other. No, I think the casting is good so far. I I'm happy with this season. I will say I I feel as good about this one, if not better, as I did about watching the first season of Mando. Uh, you know, it, there there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of cool things that they can do with this. And with Filoni, if he handles this like he handled the four seasons of Rebels, I'm excited. Because of that track record. If I hadn't watched Rebels, if I just saw this, I mean, I know Jeff is into it, but I, I think I'd be a little bit more hesitant given the last few live action series we got. Even Mando yeah. season three was kind of, <laughs> you know, a uh, uh, hit or miss. But with what he's did with Rebels and kept consistent and so far with these four episodes, I'm very excited to see where the last half of this show goes because I'm mm -hmm. like... This yeah. could make things very interesting. It could open up new th ideas and take it into new directions, which is, again, kind of what Last Jedi tried, but did it clunky. But it wanted to try to redefine how we saw pretty much everything in Star Wars, from the Force to who could use the Force to who's good or bad. And he's doing it properly here, and that makes it exciting because I want to see something new. We've seen... yeah. Jedi versus Sith so many times. We've seen Rebels versus Empire so many times. Now I just want to see the world, people living in the world, doing their thing. And that's what Rebels gave us. And yeah, I'm looking. It'll be cool. I think yeah. it'll be cool. Yeah. John, thoughts? Final I'm closing ready. thoughts? I'm ready for the next four. I'm ready for the yeah. next four. These first four have been so much fun. An amazing, like, first half. I guess we're at halftime right now. Let's go. Let's go <laughs> <Yeah>. team go. <laughs> Straight up rebel season five. Like I, we thought that, that that's what we were getting going into this, but that's what we've gotten. Yeah. And live action chopper. Dude's been on screen for five minutes. He's already trying to commit a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked, they nailed his look too. I mean, I know <laughs> CGI and practical and you had the drawing, but he looked, I mean, that was like Chopper. I totally forgot Chopper was animated mm -hmm. because looking at Chopper in the live action, I'm like, oh, that's Chopper. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. a full puppet, I think. Yeah. That's probably why. <laughs> yeah. Like, the less CG you use, like, the better it looks. And yeah. I know CG, I feel bad for CGI artists because it's like their term is like a slang term. Like, oh, you're using CGI. That's crap. You know, but when you use just the right amount of it, you know, it does wonders. And mm -hmm. I think they're probably filming a lot of Ahsoka in the egg as well. I oh, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that forest was the egg. Mm -hmm. But even mm -hmm. so, it works great. And it's and it really it really the egg is is the uh the greatest way of paying homage to George Lucas by mm -hmm. Star Wars, you know, was groundbreaking for visual effects. 
so is this thing. This is like a new version of the green screen. Right. And, you know, for all that we hate it, you know, the green screen is a necessity in some filmmaking. And this is a great way to continue that. But you can't drag a crew out to the middle of Tunisia every couple of years to film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, 20 minutes of a movie. You know. Not during the strike, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on. Yeah. So, Jeff, what are your closing thoughts on uh, Ahsoka episode four? What are you looking forward to? Um, more of the same and, and also surprises. I really like it uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, it's funny. It's very female skewed, but it feels very universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that about it. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with John. I think that it's, it's very exciting. And I kind of wish, you know, you could almost binge these. But then again, we get to talk about them and, and savor them and go back to them, watch them a second time mm-hmm. uh, before moving on. So that's a, a good thing, too. And this was a lot of fun talking about it. I, I feel um, I feel like I'm sort of remedial compared to like master's class uh, uh, wow. people here. But uh, but uh, it's good to know that at least on my level, so much of the same stuff is is easily uh, understandable as well as appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the goal with it, because they they. They have a lot of deep character lore, and they don't have time to get into all of that. So they just kind of have to go through the writing of the characters themselves. You know, like you get to see how Sabine is real kind of colorful and how Hera is, you know, very emotional towards Ezra. And, you know, you get all these sort of individual characteristics that make all these characters work so well. And especially the new ones, too. They worked really mm-hmm. great. I mean, too bad Ray Stevenson has left us because uh, I would have liked to have seen him sad. for more seasons if he does live, you know, to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, we'll see if he does, you know. I mean, one thing that would be a real dumb move is to kill Thrawn within this season. No, they're not going to kill. They're not yeah. going to Yeah, no. No, after going this far to bring him back, you know, yeah. it just seems stupid. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they won't. They won't bring. They'll bring Thrawn back, and it'll probably go for a second season because this is getting some good buzz and everything. And just like there's a lot of people who feel like we do about the series, I would see in second season if they decide to just do two seasons with it. Uh, then Thrawn die uh, or Ezra or Ezra and Thrawn die together or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of, kind of poetic. Uh, huh? That's what I would like to see them rebuild the Jedi order in the second season. That would be mm-hmm. cool. She's already mentioned in this show that there is no order. Like Luke right, isn't right. anything. Mace isn't like out there building something like there is no order at all. Like I would yeah. like to see them move forward with Ahsoka and Sabine and build a new order. If she's not, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think it would be Ahsoka and Luke building it because, you know, we mm-hmm. saw Ahsoka and Luke in the book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. and that would kind of explain it right there. So I think, I think they could build it together in uh, future se- seasons. Or, or Ahsoka once again, feeling like she might not be that best equipped once she say awakens Sabine's force power, but doesn't know how to control it because you know she's mm-hmm. sitting with Balin. So she ends up dropping Sabine off with Luke, going, Yeah, you're gonna do a better job than me. I'm not a Jedi Knight, but she needs some trading. You're good at it. I'm yeah. not, I'm out, you know. Yeah. Just don't pull just don't do what your dad does. <laughs> <laughs> they sure they sure seem to Drop a lot of people off at Luke Skywalker's residence, don't they? <laughs> yeah, he's he's the guy that they all have to. I will say, babies, he, young Jedi women, <laughs> yeah. go to that island where he is. 
I know. Well, I mean, he, he spent so many years, you know, being a Jedi with no no companionship, yeah. so to speak. You know, I think he needs it real bad. <laughs> but before I wrap up, I'd like everyone to have a chance to plug their stuff. So, uh, Mark, we'll start off with you. What do you want to plug? Uh, I guess I could plug a specialmarkproductions.com if you're all curious. Uh, I do podcasting. I've got a Patreon. I've been on YouTube for 17 years. I've wow. been doing... Wow. I've been doing the podcasting. This is our 10th year. Um, I'm the old man of the stream, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got a lot of content up there. I do interviews as well. Uh, on my TikTok, I do one minute reviews of wide release films. Uh, you know, I, I dabble in a little bit of everything. I can't just take to one lane. But if you go to my website, specialmarkproductions.com, that's all your all the links are there for everything. All right. John. Oh, Cinema Obscura is live in the Logan Theater every fourth Wednesday from 7 to 10. Music, live comedy, film, of course. We're basically a uh, film archive for uh, independent filmmakers. We got a Vimeo archive, and we've got a TV show on Can TV, Channel 19 here in Chicago, uh, Monday nights at 11, 10th season. Wow. That's been really fun. But, uh, yeah, just trying to share and um, basically archive independent filmmakers, music videos, documentaries, all of it. That's that's awesome. I've been supporting I've been supporting indie film here in Wisconsin for about 11 years now, almost 12 years. So uh, that's very cool. You're doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Jeff, what have you got? Well, I'm in uh, the 13th year of uh, doing the establishingshot.org, my movie blog. I also write uh, essays about movies, TV shows in the industry for Pipeline Artists magazine online, pipelineartists.com. And uh, actually being inspired by the movie man over here, uh, I just started TikTok. I've done three of them now. And it's kind of a one-minute movie review, but I talk about sort of what the thrust of the show in fact ahsoka was the very first one i did uh and then when i like a movie or tv show a lot i do a caricature of it to accompany my review so i give some insights into what my take on the material is and how that uh, is influencing the drawing and then show a little bit about uh the creation of the drawing so um it's it's, very cool it's very cool thank you thank you (laughs) yeah 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 I do love the drawings, sad to say. Uh, well, thank you, friend. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, Gives them a little something extra, another reason to read. Plus, like I said, I only usually accompany the ones that I really like that much. So it's a little <laughs> tell about like, oh, Jeff liked this. Well, that one got a drawing. I, I should probably see that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you guys want to see my stuff, I'm at ypareviews.com. I review all the newest, newest movies that come out and some of the newest TV stuff that comes out. You can also find me at Film Obsessed and tvobsessive.com sometimes i write stuff for them and of course you want to see more shows like this you can always go to ypareviews.com or you'll probably agree on youtube where all my material is up there and the ypa sensor you guessed it you'll probably agree all right folks everyone thank you so much for coming on and doing this and hopefully we'll see you next week we're not sure but uh yeah we'll see you then